1: IB Nation, what's happening? It's Notre Dame Recruiting Hour here on a Monday afternoon, bringing you the latest in Notre Dame recruiting. I'm Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here at IrishBreakdown.com, joined by Sean Davis, Recruiting Analyst here at the site, as well as the host of the Lucky Lefty podcast with Malik Zaire that you can find on the CFB Nation cha- YouTube channel or anywhere that you frequent your favorite podcasts. So make sure to go give that a follow. We did a little bit of a pivot, to be honest, this week. We had a different show that was planned and kind of ready, you know, coming down the pipe. And then, of course, obviously with the Tommy Reese news, taking the job at the University of Alabama as their offensive coordinator. There's some retooling and reshuffling. And now Notre Dame is in the in in the area of trying to find their next offensive coordinator. And we presented, if you guys joined us Friday nights, me and Brian Driscoll did a breakdown show of some of the names that you need to be aware of early. Now, obviously there's different names that could pull into the conversation here over the next few days, over the next couple of weeks, but there are a few early names that we had kind of identified as potential good fits with Notre Dame. So we wanted to run this show as, and I thought this could be a really interesting topic, what this means for recruiting from Notre Dame's perspective, right? So we'll talk about some of the candidates what they need to prove, what their past recruiting experience is and how they would potentially fit from a recruiting perspective. Cause this is not just about calling a football game, putting a game plan together. This is college football. We all know how much recruiting is paramount to success after that. I got a little, little treat for y'all, man. We're trying to do a little bit more of some interviews on this channel, especially during the recruiting hour shows. So I got Carson Hobbs on the podcast to hop on on Friday, did a little pre-recorded interview. So you'll hear from the 2024 cornerback commit out of Archbishop Molder in the state of Ohio. You'll hear about his tumultuous recruiting process, eventually flipping from South Carolina to, to Notre Dame his affinity for Notre Dame for a long time. A lot of great tidbits from Carson Hobbs in that interview. we will hit a mailbag at the end, as we always do. So I already have a bunch of questions already starred, ready to go for, you know, probably an hour away from now, but you all know, just keep throwing in those mailbag questions, put an NB in front. If you can, that helps me kind of identify questions uh, questions a little quicker. That would be very much appreciated. But Sean, this is going to be a fun episode, though, man, because I was, oh. we were just talking before the show. Obviously, you guys have been covering this a lot on the Lucky Lefty podcast. Me and Brian Driscoll have been covering it a lot on the Irish Breakdown podcast, of course. It's going to be an interesting search for an offensive coordinator, and we really want to take it not only from our initial opinions on some of these guys, but the recruiting scope. Because I think the one thing... That we need to give Tommy Reese credit for and that cannot be lost in this conversation is, you know, I think that we both have had our you know concerns with him as far as taking that next step because there was inconsistencies from calling a football game consistently from week to week. Mm. And early on in his tenure, because, you know, he's been with the staff now since 2017, the offensive coordinator for the team since 2020. There were a couple of missteps, in my opinion, with recruiting early on in his tenure, right? And we've we've documented those at uh, at many times at this point. But, I mean, when we look at this, Sean, 2023, he gets Kenny Minchie, who's a fantastic player, in my opinion. 2024, he's got a five-star quarterback and CJ Carr committed. I don't think that we we need to give Tommy Reese the credit for that. He's done a tremendous job recruiting not only the quarterback position – But guys like Billy Shrouth would probably not be on the roster right now without Tommy Reese's ability as a recruiter on the trail, right? So he did a tremendous job over the last couple years on that department. And I think that we need to highlight this important fact to begin here is that an offensive coordinator at Notre Dame needs to be a dynamic recruiter. They have to be able to help to build these classes because that has been a couple spots that we've seen for Notre Dame historically, at least recently, I should say, that needs to get back to that precipice, right? Needs to get recruited at a higher level. And I do think that Tommy Reese proved over the last couple cycles, and including the 2024 class with CJ Carr and Cam Williams, that he was doing a very good job at recruiting at Notre Dame.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen including EE system.
3: And to mention that and build upon what you already spoke which is spot on. Look, we have a defensive minded head coach. It'll be totally different if this is Ryan Day or an offensive-minded head coach, and then you're bringing in an OC that can focus on other things, whether it's quarterback development, sharing play calling with the head coach or going through that. And Then the head coach can really spearhead going out and getting quarterbacks. Right? This is a totally different situation. It's interesting when you point out Tommy Reese from a recruitment standpoint. I think on the previous staff, he stood out. He was a superstar when you look at the rest of the staff now, when you put them in the mix with Chancey Stuckey, Dylan McCullough, Jared Parker, it's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's good. Right. Cause you see what an offensive staff looks like when they really go out and recruit. Well, like, Oh snap, this is what an offensive staff looks like when they all do their job on the recruiting trail. So I think, This staff took a lot of pressure off of him or allowed him to move differently. And in that case, he was able to focus on CJ Carr. Some people might say, well, if he was elite, he would have landed Dante Moore. And and if if that's what you want to say, that's fair. In spite of everything that was going on, I'm not about to sit in. There's a lot of layers to that particular. That that, that definitely is layered. My thing with him is he was, in my opinion, key specifically to the Chicagoland area yep. for Notre Dame in this recruitment. So I'm interested in seeing how they supplement that. And bringing in a new OC, I'm interested in whether or not he is a strong recruiter. As you said, you feel like he needs to be a strong recruiter. If they find someone that's an elite play caller and they can find another way to supplement that recruitment, yep. whether it's through... I'll give you a per- perfect example. Uh, Malik was telling me his time. He was like, dude, Mike Denbrock, who has been talked about for this position, like Mike Denbrock didn't coach quarterbacks. Like He just wanted to call his plays. And yeah. Brian Kelly really didn't say anything to us. He's like, Matt LaFleur was the one that really dealt with us. You know, now the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, if you have that situation where you have some – Cause Harry, we watched during the spring. Harry coached a little bit, but it was really his his G, his uh, assistants that he really gave the keys to to deal with the offensive line, so that they can build up their resume and they can get better at that. And then at certain times when he wanted to jump in and say something, he did. It's hard not to hear Harry's voice at any practice. That's the one voice you will always hear at any practice besides Marcus Freeman. But no. Yes, I I agree. The OC definitely needs to be able to recruit. Yep. Especially the quarterback position at Notre Dame. And I don't know how you feel. Mm -hmm. I just, at some point, I would love for Notre Dame to get out of the transfer portal when it comes to quarterback play.
1: Because they don't have to anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. And
3: consistently be able to develop and recruit the position. To me, that would be a very positive sign of where the program is, if they can get to that point. And then from that point, all of his, all the other connections, I think is going to come down to the conversation that each of these candidates have with Marcus Freeman. That's it. It's, it's his decision, his level of comfort. He knows what he wants. He wants continuity in the staff. and More than likely, he wants to keep the staff that he has already in place. And whomever he talks to, you know, the candidates will talk about them. I think all of them have some very interesting questions to ask themselves whether or not they will want to take this job for several reasons. But this is what I will say. Mm-hmm. And I said this earlier today. I
1: believe this is divine. Okay. Not, not Dan divine. We're talking about a different no, type of no, divine. no,
3: no, 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 no. I wouldn't mind. I mean, Dan divine. I mean, look, I'm all for coaches that won national championships.
1: So. I hear that. I hear
3: that. I'm all for that. But no, what I mean by that is saying that, you know, I think Tommy fulfilled the purpose right was number one if he had left last year this position isn't isn't as attractive
1: as it is right now
3: in my opinion
1: because the retooling of the roster you mean or retooling
3: of the roster but also okay. from a PR standpoint it gave Notre Dame an opportunity to publicly say we will match we are willing to spend and that's something that a lot of people want to know up front as a candidate like what are we working with because for a long time there's been word out there that notre dame is a little frugal when it comes to you know paying their assistance and so they got the opportunity whether or not it was truth they got the opportunity to publicly say oh yeah whatever alabama offers will we'll match it match it yep we'll no match problem yeah okay now that people know that and it's publicly put out there yeah it's just a more attractive situation it just really is. Well, yep. When you look at the players that are there, players they brought in via the transfer portal, the quarterbacks they have, you know, if you line up Hartman, Buckner, Minchie, and CJ Carr, as a coordinator, I'm like, okay, I'm set for like eight sh- years.
1: You got a shot. You got a the shot. Yeah. Yep.
3: You know, so, yeah, it's a very attractive, much more attractive
1: position than it was this time last year. That's a, that's a great point, Sean, and, and I kind of wanted to comment to just a couple things before I get back to your point here, just in the chat. One, I, again, I, I don't hold the Dante Moore thing on Tom Reese too much. I think no matter who that coordinator was, you know, with what Notre Dame can't offer, like, let's just put it like that, right? <laughs> Eventually, that was going to not happen, right? And so I don't blame that one for him and I know people are saying, you know, Kenny uh, called them, Kenny fell into his lap. I would I I entertain the sentiment that he fell in the lap a little bit, right? Because he did kind of coordinate the last, you know, like hello conversation, right? But I will say this is that I don't think he would have done that if he didn't have a great relationship with the Notre Dame staff previously, right? So we got to give yeah. Tommy some credit for that. You, you don't have to give him all, but there is some part that you have to give him because he did build that relationship up and make Kenny comfortable to reach out back to Notre Dame, right? So j- just a couple points there, and Sean. I would think it's a really attractive place though, to your point, right? Because you mentioned it, the talent, the retooling. You got Sam Hartman for a year. You have the young quarterback depth. You have the wide receiver room that's improving. You have the stable of running backs. And also, you have a head coach that has already shown that he will trust the offense coordinator to just do his thing, right? Yeah. It's not like he's just going to be, have a guy looking over his shoulder the whole time like, what are you doing? What? Why are you doing that? Like, He's going to give – he's going to give – the, the offense coordinator autonomy to run his offense, right. Mm -hmm. To run his room. So that, that, that's, I do think it's an attractive job. So let's get into a few of the guys again on the end of Friday show, or sorry, Friday night show, we talked about nine different guys. We're not going to cover nine different guys today. We're not, because you know, that's, we don't have enough time to be very honest. And some of those are not as likely as maybe others are that we're going to talk about today. So yeah, Sean, I know the hot name out there that everyone keeps talking about, and for good reason. I mean, I would be ecstatic if he was the next offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. We'll not hide that is Joe Brady, who was the former LSU passing game coordinator during the 2019 season when they won the national championship. Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdowns. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like that whole crew, right? It was phenomenal. Spends the next two years with the Carolina Panthers, the offense coordinator. I have said this on the show the last two, two shows that we've done. I think he was a bit of a scapegoat for Matt Rule, if I'm being honest. I don't think that that was really a I, – I don't hold Joe Brady fully to that situation. And no. then he's the quarterback coach for the Buffalo Bills over the last year. There are some questions here. I think that there is interest, obviously. I do think that Joe Brady will be enter- will entertain the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's a r- super realistic n- match, because just because I don't know if Joe Brady wants to come back to college and do the recruiting thing. I don't know, right? Yeah. But we have to talk about, Sean, the impact that he could have in recruiting and what he has shown us a little bit up until this point. So for people that didn't follow, again, 2019 was with LSU. The previous two years before that, he was an assistant on the New Orleans Saints staff underneath Sean Payton. So you only have really one recruiting class where he was a heavily part of that recruitment, right? So we're going to look at the 2020 class for LSU, which 2019 season goes into the 2020 cycle. So he was a help, obviously, in putting this class together. That particular class, Sean, finished number four overall. And all these rankings I'm throwing out there, are the consensus rankings, right? So I'm not going to talk about just two, four, seven. I'm not just going to talk about on three. Like I'm not just going to talk about rivals. These are consensus rankings, which shows, you know, everything averaged out. Where did this rank for people across the board? Mm-hmm. It was the number four ranked class as a consensus ranking that class. And he was a big, he was a big time recruiter in that class for Eric Gilbert. He was kind of vital for that one. Tight end to, People that remember, he was very good before he started having some off field demons, obviously. Coy Moore, talented wide receiver. And I'm talking, I'm just focusing on the offensive recruits of that class. That class also had Kayshawn Boutte, who's in the 2023 NFL draft, or a talented wide receiver. It also had Max Johnson, who was the starting quarterback there, now at Texas AM. And it had TJ Finley, who was a talented quarterback, ended up there, was as at Oliver now. And yeah. So those are a few of the premier guys in that class offensively obviously there was a great defensive class that year um, overall for LSU in 2020 but Sean I mean look that one year looks pretty good on paper obviously Joe Brady's not instrumental in every one of those players right because he was a passing game coordinator it's not like he's the head coach and offensive coordinator even but the one year that was recruiting, he did have positive reviews. I don't know if he wants to recruit. I think he could have an impact, though, if he buys into it because he does have a name, right? People, I think, would get like very juiced up about potentially playing for for, for Joe Brady, right? Like a quarterback. Yeah. I, if I'm a quarterback, if I'm a wide receiver, a running back, why would I not want to play for Joe Brady, right? In the one season that he showed what they can do on the college level. So – I have mixed feelings on it from a recruiting perspective because I just don't know if he wants to do it, but I do think that he has the tools that he could be a good recruiter if he did buy in. That's just kind of my impulse on it. You love it
3: because, once again, the position that the wide receiver room is in now in comparison to last year, it's a lot of talent, a lot of bodies, a lot of depth, and the ability to use the different types of wide receivers in that room the way he was able to use the different types a wide receiver at LSU, would be very intriguing when it comes to play calling and implementing his offense. For me, the first thing I ask, are you hawking Ken Dorsey's job? Because Ken Dorsey has pretty much been blamed for certain things that happened with Josh Allen this year. That's the way it goes, right? You look at a kid, he declines, his interception goes up. Man, we just saw it with Dallas. Dak Prescott interceptions goes up. Who do they blame? They blame the OC. <laughs> he gets fired. So does Joe Brady stick around as the quarterback coach to say, look, let's see if this thing goes right. And maybe if Dorsey leaves, I get elevated. Or does he get kicked out the door with Dorsey since he was the quarterback coach? These are meant, there's so many diverse conversations with each. Candidate we're going to talk about that they really have to ask themselves because it's a great job. I think they all know it's a great job and it's a great opportunity, but really it comes down to what that individual sees for themselves moving forward and you talk does he want to come back to college? Does he even want to recruit and the grind of recruiting the way that it is? Look the staff he will be connected to will be a positive. that's the biggest positive. Right, Because you have an NFL guy like a Dylan McCullough, like a Harry Heastan. They've done that. They've gone from the NFL and come back to college. And having that group of people around you, could that help supplement and ease it a little bit? It could. It possibly could. With Marcus Freeman taking the stands, the I'm the lead recruiter on everybody, could that help? Absolutely. But ultimately, within his heart, only Joe Brady knows what he wants to do in the near future and what he expects for the trajectory of his career moving forward. So, you know, is he a, would he be a slam dunk hire? Yeah. I think yeah. the excitement within the fan base and the respect from the national media would be, wow, Marcus Freeman, that's a that's pretty darn good hire. You've upgraded right. at that position. But there are so many intricacies to the conversation and everything else that, that makes it very interesting
1: to see whether or not it would really be the right fit. Well, and Sean, it's a great point. And I, I kind of want to open up that layer of the conversation because we didn't talk about that yet. Right. But yeah. defensive coach wise from the defensive staff, there are some question marks as far as the recruiting prowess of some guys. Yeah. Right. You know, we yeah. talked about Al yeah. golden and just if he wants to recruit at a high level, right. We've talked about Al Washington and his missteps so far in 2023 and 2024 yeah. offensive staff wise. It's pretty dang good, man. It's pretty dang. I mean, honestly, right? Like Jared Parker hasn't had to do a ton yet. And we've talked about that, right? But you got Jack Larson in 2024. He looks like he's getting in a pretty good spot with Carter Nelson, or, you know, he's got another couple talented tight ends on the board of Walter Matthews, Jaden Riddell. I think he has a chance to pull together a really dynamic tight end group from everything that I'm hearing, right? You have Chancey Stuckey, who in year one pulled together a fantastic four-man class. He already has Cam Williams in 2024. And I do think that he's going to end up having back-to-back really good wide receiver rooms when all is done, said and done. Dylan McCullough has his reputation, right? He's a great yeah. developer of running backs. Got Jeremiah Love, which was not an easy pull for anyone in this past cycle. I mean, there were some big time schools throwing around big time money for Jeremiah Love, and Notre Dame had to compete. And they won out on that one. He got Jabron right. Payne after he asked out of his national letter of intent the previous season. You got Aeneas Williams in the 2024 class already committed. So he's done a tremendous job. I think that offensive line-wise, I mean, I'm not worried at all about what Harry Easton going to do, right, from a coaching perspective, from a recruiting perspective. You got a good five-man class in 2023. You got yeah. Peter Jones in 2024 as well. So – There's a lot of good recruiters around you is my point, right? Like the offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, running back, a lot of good recruiters. So one thing that you make a great point, and I agree 100%, is that, yes, Joe Brady's a question mark from a recruiting perspective, but it's not the hardest spot to come into and be surrounded by that offensive staff, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it takes Joe Brady a little bit to kind of ease into his role as a recruiter, He's right. got some pretty good support around him, which I yes. think you made a great point there.
3: Yeah. And as you improve the talent, you know, hopefully you create a program that partially recruits for itself. Like if you upgrade what quarterback in the nation does not expect Ohio State to have the best wide receivers. Right. Like if I'm a quarterback, Ohio State would <laughs> automatically be on my in my top 5. Right? Cuz I know I'm throwing to a really good receiver. It's the same thing with LSU historic. I know that, right? Like People can argue right now with possibly a decline happening in talent at that position at Alabama. But two, three years ago, if I was a quarterback coming out, I'm like, yo, I want to throw to those guys. And hopefully as we see the skill positions increase and get better, which is Chancey Stuckey, Dylan McCullough, Jared Park, and everybody you talked about, when you see that level of recruiting quarterbacks automatically put you on the list they automatically want to come visit they automatically want to come to a junior day or an irish invasion and that's where you build the relationship and it might not be as strenuous as joe brady brady might not expect based upon the way they build things as far as the staff recruiting collectively in a unity so you're right it might not be that hard for him and if they can express that and pique his interest he might be someone that ends up at Notre
1: Dame. And every interview I've ever heard of Joe Brady, every time I've heard him speak, every time I've heard people talk about him, I do think that he has he has all the necessary qualities to be a great recruiter. It's just we haven't mm-hmm. seen it, right, Sean? I mean yeah. that's that's the that's a limiting factor. And I, I also, I mean, just to kind of put this out there to everyone, we're not going to dive too much into the Byron Leftwich conversation today because this is a recruiting show. I have zero idea if Byron Lefwich can recruit, right? Like, he's a guy that has never been a coach on the college level, Sean. Like, how am I, how am I, I rightfully, yeah, God.
3: We actually talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I do know, not know him directly, but I know people that know him very well. And um, he's an A1 motivator of men. He's just that type of guy, educator, motivator, man, teacher. So all the other aesthetics of being a college coach when recruiting and things, it's like we don't know, right? We have to allow him to make it through the NFL landscape after the Super Bowl to see if other positions open up and if he wants to stay there. But as far as who he would be to young men, oh, he would be, from everything I know of him, a fantastic asset to have in the program and that's just speaking from you know the type of people that we know marcus freeman dylan mccullough Chancey stuckey and jared parker and everyone else to be he yeah. fits that mold that's that's the only that would be one thing that i would say would definitely link him to marcus freeman is that he fits that mold as a man so sure. other than that there really is no
1: well, let me, ask you, let me ask you this, Sean, since we're talking about Leftwich, right? Maybe he'd be a great recruiter. Maybe he wouldn't. I, yeah. I don't 100% know. Like you said, there's some qualities that tell you he would probably fit, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have any concerns with him as a coach, though? And, and I'll present it like this, right? He's been an offensive coordinator at the NFL level. He got the trust of Bruce Arians throughout the yeah. last few years. Yeah. But I would say this. In the one year that he did not have Bruce Arians by his side, was not quite as good, and there are other, you know, there are other things going around. Like it, context of the situation is, I'm not just blaming left, leftwich for that, right? You right, lost two right. of your best offensive linemen from the previous year. Tom Brady's a year older. Like, I, I'm not sitting here and saying that's all leftwich's fault. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying though is that for a guy that has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for a few years now, I'm not certain how great of an offensive coordinator he is, just because I haven't seen a big enough sample size where I look at it and say even without Bruce Arians behind him or backing him up or helping to set the landscape yeah. I don't know how great of a sta- how great of a coach he is right like I think he probably is but like I just I don't know enough is my only skepticism
3: yeah and that's a fair way of looking at it very objective And I think most people automatically just see Super Bowl on the resume and just assume a lot of things but I think it was a 50-50 relationship when it comes to developing. I don't think he's had the opportunity. I'll put it like this. I don't think he's had the opportunity to create his own offense. I think he inherited a quarterback that knew exactly what he wanted to do. Yes. And he well, called and that, plays that's, into that. You know what I'm saying? That's like the other thing, has, too. That's the other
1: thing too, Sean, because I have Bruce Arians over top, right? And then I have Tom Brady underneath, and it's just like there's so much tug and pull, man. Like, How many offensive coordinators from New England have we seen, for instance, right? That as soon as they leave Tom Brady and they leave Belichick, they just flounder, right? Yeah, like you think about yeah. Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Yeah. You think, you think about Charlie Weiss, like everyone's very familiar with Charlie Weiss at this point, right? You think yeah. about Bill O'Brien, even to a degree. Just because you're under great coaches and have been around great people doesn't necessarily mean you're the guy. Like that's my yeah. only point. And yeah. maybe Byron is. I'm not saying he isn't or is or is not. It's just a question mark to me. And I feel like you can't shoot for question marks in this game right now because. I do think well, Notre Dame is pretty close to a championship. I do.
3: I would be very interested in hearing him talk about his development. Because from what I hear, he's really good with quarterbacks. Really good with quarterbacks. I heard. I've heard great things about what's the young quarterback they have behind Brady right now,
1: Kyle Trask.
3: Kyle Trask. Yeah. I've heard really good things about Kyle Trask's development. And how he's looked in practice. Not to say that Cal is going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but that's directly tied to his work with Byron Leftwich. You know, so it's an intriguing. And I think that is something that is fantasy. It would be a big name. It would be an assumption. Do I think it would be a spike initially from a recruiting standpoint? Yeah, because he's a known name. This is right. Tom Brady's offensive coordinator, so yeah, he he'll, he'll flashes
1: Super Bowl ring. And I get, I get that, absolutely. Yeah.
3: But everything you talked about—the corks and screws of everything, and the nuts and bolts—yeah, we don't know. So it would be a question, you know, yeah. and would Marcus Freeman be willing to make his biggest decision to date? Would he be willing to make
1: that based upon questions? Right. And he's very respected. He's been around great people, I'm sure. Ultimately, that Byron Leftwich will be a very good coach wherever he ends up. I just don't know Mm -hmm. if he's right for this situation. That's my Mm -hmm. whole point.
2: Yeah.
1: So that's kind of the NFL guy, Sean. That's really on the list. You know, we talked about Joe Brady. We hit quickly on Byron Leftwich. Let's move to some of the college coaches that are people that we feel are going to be in the conversation moving forward for this offensive coordinator job. I want to start with Andy Ludwig from. University of Utah, he's the offensive coordinator, has been since 2019. So he's been there now for a few years. He's an interesting catch on, in my opinion, because first and foremost, I really like him as a coach. I really do, man. I think he calls a really good game. I think that he understands how to utilize different facets of his. I mean, you've seen him when he's had multiple tight ends, use multiple tight end sets. You've seen him lean on running backs when he's had running backs like Tavion Thomas and, Even before that, T.J. Pledger, he's had those types of guys. You saw him at the end of the year when one of the – Brent Keithy, who was their other tight end, was banked up. They went to a lot more 11 personnel, and they got number 17 involved. They got Money Parks involved. I really do like Andy Ludwig, Sean. The question here, and it's fair, right, because I think just from a coaching perspective, he might be my favorite guy on the list. I'll be completely transparent with that. But there is a question about – how great of a recruiter he would be at Notre Dame. There is. And it's mostly just because the track record. And this has nothing to do with Andy Ludwig because I've been listening to a lot of interviews with Andy Ludwig over the last few days. He's incredibly smart. I think he's got a good personality. I think he would recruit well at Notre Dame. I'm not saying he wouldn't. But when you look at his track record, which is what we're doing here today, looking at what they've done so far and how it could potentially translate to Notre Dame if they were the offensive coordinator – Andy Ludwig has been a part of these Utah staffs. Where, 2020, the number 30 staff in the country, uh, number 30 overall class in the in the country on the consensus ranking, number 33 in 2021, number 34 in 2022, and number 21 in 2023, which was the best class that Utah has had over the last few years from a ranking perspective. Not a bad ranking considering Utah, right? I mean, they're a Pac-12 team. They're not like the, they're not like the the sexy, attractive Pac-12 job, right? They have to find some diamonds in the rough. And I look at some of the guys he's been key key a uh, key recruiter for. I look at Ty Jordan from who was a running back at Jordan. I think I think everyone kind of remembers the Ty Jordan story, right? He was a really nice freshman All American player. He was the one that unfortunately lost his life uh, during right right during that season, which was very tough, obviously, for the Utah program, but they found him, who was a little bit of an under-recruited player. Money Parks is someone that I just mentioned that was a really good wide receiver from this past year. Nate Johnson, who I think is going to be the future of the Utah program after Cameron Rising, who's a really, he's a four-star quarterback, the, I think the highest quarterback recruit that they've ever gotten out of high school, if I remember the kind of the recruiting platform stuff. So, it's a difficult one for me, though, Sean, because if you ask me how good of a recruiter can can Andy Ludwig be at Notre Dame, I don't think I 100% know. Like I think that he would be good, but the track record says he recruited pretty well for the situation he was at, but how good of a recruiter will he be when he get if he gets to a bigger level of a Notre Dame? I don't know if we can answer that question right now.
3: For me, the bigger question, because like I said, you just explained him perfectly, and between you sitting in between you or next to you and Malik today, heck, we might as well just cut the check for Andy Ludwig, because that seems to be the <laughs> the no-brainer for both of you guys. But no, he just talked about one thing he pointed out, and you pointed it out as well. He's a very resourceful, very resourceful offensive mind. Like he's not the type to fold if things happen or injuries happen. He finds a way to stay productive offensively if he has to switch gears, and that's something you love about him. And he's had to be—he he's had to do that with injuries with Cam Rising. He came in. I know they were expected to have three big-time tight ends this year, and I think at some point, at least two of them were down. Two of his top three. So, because Kincaid has been killing it, you know, at the Senior Bowl week, and I know he was injured for a bit and. So, he loves the tight end. That's something Notre Dame fans are used to. But he also recruits. Man, he always has this run-after-catch wide receiver that's able to make big plays. So, when you ask about recruiting, it seems like if he's going to have tight ends, that he wants guys that can make run-after-the-catch because it complements the tight end and the running game. And if he can bring the kryptonite that he has for USC, I'm all for it. Like, if he can just bring that with him, I'm all for it. This is my only question with Andy Ludwig. Is this the right move for him? Because some coaches get to a position and get to a place, and they feel really comfortable. He seems like a guy that is very comfortable at Utah. How big of a move is it going to be for him and his family to come to South Bend? For me, that's it. He knows it's a big-time position. He knows that. He knows it's a great position. He knows he's going to have better athletes and better quarterbacks than he's had and a better offensive line. He knows that. Yep. He's, re- he's resourceful. He's bright. He knows the opportunity. Once again, just like Joe Brady, what are you looking for right now? Yep. Where are you at in your career and what do you want? Where do you foresee the rest of your career going and being? That is that's For me, that's what it comes down to and what his conversation is going to be like with Marcus Freeman. Because Marcus Freeman doesn't want to have another situation where a guy is, like, partially in, partially out. Yes. "Uh, uh, I came, but no, 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 no. If you're coming to Notre Dame, I want you to be here. And I want you to want to be here and be excited. So if he's excited about the opportunity, I'm with you guys. He's at the top of my list. Because everything else from play calling, resourcefulness, use of his players and what he has on the roster i think his number one running back you know was i think was he a quarterback in high school and yeah get this young freshman to come in and he's dominating towards the end of the season it's like okay that that's the type of guy he is he'll get the best out of
1: everything that he has in the kitchen so that's the type of chef you want well, and Sean, you know, complete transparency because I already put it out in the universe once for people that just joined the show. When we made the list, we had a bunch of names, right? I went back and I watched a lot of film on most of these guys. i've I've listened to interviews because that's more important to me sometimes just hearing a guy talk and articulate his vision, right? Like I want to hear those types of stuff. yeah, Andy Lib- Andy Luwin's right near the top of my list from a football perspective, man. What he's done the last two years, over 38 points per game at Utah. Man. And you talked about it, man. Don Kincaid's a good football player, no doubt. Yeah, Cameron Rising is a borderline draftable quarterback. He's not a great player. He's a good college football player. You know, Tavion Thomas is a good college football player. Money Parks is a good college football player. Offensive line is, are good college football players. Not a lot of next-level talents on that roster, though, no. offensively. Defensively, they usually have some dudes. Offensively, not great, right? Dalton Kincaid is going to get drafted probably in the top 64 picks this mm-hmm. April. Everybody else is just kind of a just kind of a good college football player. Yeah. And what he's gotten out of that roster offensively is eye-popping to me, man. Like, again, yeah. 38 points per game with that talent is saying something special to me, man.
3: And Cam Ryzen was out how many games this year? Uh,
1: Late. I can't remember. I'll look it up. Yeah.
3: I think he missed a couple of games. Look, he – you know what else? And you can tap into this, right? Sure. Malik said something earlier today. He's like, Sean, you don't understand when you watch an offensive coordinator, he's so patient. He's so patient as a play caller. Like, he doesn't call things and put his guys in just crazy situations or give unnecessary motion." to a play like you don't have to show the tricks and prove how creative you are like he's so patient and so wise in the way he calls things and set things sets things up and i thought that was really important because i never thought about a play caller we always say man we want i got we want want them to be aggressive be aggressive attack be on the attack and he was like no you you have he said the greatest play callers are very patient They're patient guys that understand what was being afforded to them and they strike at the right time and they know when the right time they can feel when it's the right time for a certain play call. So he comes across as that type of guy to me, you know, hearing Malik talk about him. I was just wondering if you felt the same way.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's so creative, Sean, right? Like, first and foremost, when I hear him speak, he comes off very authentic to me. Like, Mm. that was the first thing I heard. Yeah, But when you watch the film, man, again, it's just the ability to adapt to everything around him. is just so refreshing, you know, because we've seen some coordinators and this isn't a Tommy Reese shot. This is nationally a shot at some of these offense coordinators that I feel like just don't understand how to best better utilize the players that they have to work with, you know, And, and I don't feel that way about Andy Ludwig. I think that he really gets it. And we talked a lot on the Friday show about the places that he's been, right? And every offense from a year-to-year perspective has gotten better and better and better. And I would point at all those stops and say, did he have great talent? Like, was it ever great talent? The Notre Dame 2023 version, if Landy Lovett was the offensive coordinator, for instance, would be the most talented offensive roster he ever has. And I don't think it would be particularly close, in my opinion, right? Like, I think he's that good. How do you think
3: his first – what would he do? When he walked back into his office after looking at the offensive line
1: and running backs for the first practice, like, oh, my God. I can't believe. (laughs) He's going to – Sean, he's going to have such a visual in his head, right? Because he's had 6'4 receivers. He's going to look at it. He's going to remember his 6'4 receivers at Utah. He's going to remember how they run. And he's going to watch Tobias Merriweather get offline. He's going to be like, oh, (laughs) that's a little different, man. That's a little bit different, right? So (laughs) – Yeah. uh, And I I partially – and I'll be very honest – I also am. I selfishly want to see what Andy Ludwig could do with that type of talent. I do because I think that he could do an impressive job with that type. So, no, I have no questions about Andy Ludwig from a coaching perspective, from a personal perspective. Everything I've heard is fantastic. How, just how dynamic of a recruiter he could be, because I think Mm -hmm. he could be a good recruiter, no doubt. Can he be dynamic though? I, I don't know that. I don't know that. And that is a part of the conversation, right? So that's Andy Ludwig, who I think is a person that Notre Dame is going to have their eyes on, obviously. I think he's a really, really good coach out of Utah. Currently the offensive coordinator, who, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, transpires there. Sean, we do have a couple coaches that we wanted to hit on here that we just so we just talked about. Joe Brady, Andy Ludwig, Byron Leftwich. Andy Ludwig, Byron, Byron Leftwich. Mm-hmm. We don't have a great gauge on all three of those guys from a recruiting perspective for the situations they've been in. Right? Like we yeah. just don't know. The next two guys, we know what they are as recruiters because they have a long track record that we'll go through here. So the first guy that we want to hit on is Joe Moorhead, who is currently the head coach at Akron. Formerly, his last three stops before this were: he was at Oregon from 2019 to 20. Uh, sorry, from yeah, from 2019 to 2021. He was also at Mississippi State from 2018 to 2019, and then he was at Penn State from 2016 to 2017. So let's start with the oldest part of this conversation here, Sean. Let's talk about the the opportunity he had at Penn State. Obviously, he did a tremendous job coaching there with Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, put up some great numbers. As a recruiter, he was there for two cycles. 2017, Penn State finished with the number 15 class in the consensus ranking. 2018 was the better year, number eight, number six overall in the consensus ranking. So they had a tremendous recruiting class in 2018. Some of the key offensive recruits that Joe Moorhead was responsible for during his time at Penn State were quarterback Sean Clifford, Wide receiver KJ Hambler, wide receiver Mac Hippenhammer, wide receiver Justin Shorter, running back Ricky Slade, running back Journey Brown. Who if people forget? Journey Brown. He was going to be a phenomenal football player before he had the heart issue. We also had Jahan Dotson that he w- was a part of those that recruit uh, the twenty was a part of the twenty eighteen recruiting class. He also signed Zach Kuntz, star tight end that's at Old Dominion now who was actually part of the 2023 NFL draft. And Pat Fryermuth was a part of that class as well. He got Juice Scruggs, Rasheed Walker on the offensive line. So a lot of really good names, obviously, during his time at Penn State. He then goes to Mississippi State, where in two years, they had the number 24 class in 2019, so a pretty nice class for what Mississippi State typically does, and number 28 in 2020. So they recruited at a pretty good level while Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Some of his notables there were offensive tackle Charles Cross, who was a top-10 draft pick just last year in the 2022 NFL draft. Quarterback Garrett Schrader, who people should remember, obviously, is the Syracuse Syracuse's starting quarterback now. Running back Joquavian, Joquavius Marks, who's a talented player for them. Running back Dylan Johnson, who was a very good player at Mississippi State, is in the transfer portal. I think he may have transferred somewhere. I forget where he went. Malik Heath, wide receiver. And quarterback Will Rogers, who's had a really nice start to his career, obviously, at Mississippi State. Then, Sean, the most recent stop before Akron was Oregon. In two years at Oregon, number 12 uh, 12 ranked class in the consensus in 2020. 2021, it was number six. So a similar kind of vantage point to how Penn State improved from 2017 to 2018 is how Oregon improved from 2020 to 2021 under Joe Moorhead. Some of the... Key players that he was able to help recruit. Quarterback Robbie Ashford, who is the starting quarterback for the University of Auburn right now. Quarterback Ty Thompson, who is still at Oregon. Running back Trey Benson, who was at Florida State this past year, was a recruit for Oregon. TJ Bass, who was an all-conference offensive lineman for them. Dante Thornton, who Notre Dame fans I know are aware of, because Notre Dame obviously gave him a hard look coming out of the 2021 class. And then Troy Franklin, who is their best wide receiver on the Oregon roster right now. So, Sean, when you ask me how can these guys recruit at Notre Dame, aside from the next guy we'll talk about because there's a little bit more of a very a pertinent experience, Joe Moorhead can recruit. He can. He has shown that in his previous three spots. There's been some sporadicness as far as the quarterback recruiting that he's had. I mean, but even he had Will Levis who's going to go in the top ten most likely in the draft. He was a part of that recruitment as well. So I think that for me, Joe Moorhead's a very good coach. And I do think he would be a very good recruiter at Notre Dame because he has shown that when he has the assets around him, he has had a lot of experience and a lot of success as a recruiter.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of
0: our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
3: pretty good resources to recruit here in Notre Dame as well. You know, if you look at the staff, the way they move, the way they get around, the way they work together, it's it's different. And I think whoever the choice might be, whomever the choice might be, I think they're going to be walking into a situation to where they're going to feel a part of a recruiting team rather than isolated as a recruiter. And that's huge. You know, so that only makes Joe Moorhead even better as a recruiter. Right. If you're saying he's a pretty good recruiter, you put him together with a team of guys to whereas everyone is included in helping each other get the job done. He's going to be even more effective at Notre Dame as a recruiter. And so that within itself, the quarterbacks he's connected to, I, I spoke glowingly from the time I recognized I really tapped into him when he was at Penn State. And I just remember that offense, and like Trace McSorley wasn't the most dynamic, skilled passer of the football, but he found a way, you know, and the skill position players were definitely dynamic, and you just pointed those out. So I have full confidence in Joe Moorhead as a play caller and a recruiter. I would probably put Joe Moorhead at the second spot, right behind Andy Lovewood.
1: Andy Ludwig would be number one for you.
3: Oh, so you're Ludwig, and you morning. guys, you guys have definitely pulled my coattail today. Because I can be honest, coming into this morning, he was not my number one. He was not. But after doing a show with Malik and now hearing you, he's definitely number one on my list.
1: Yeah. And so I would say this, man. There, are, uh, honestly, over the last couple of days, there was a day I woke up, Sean, and I'm like, I love Andy Ludwig. And there was another day where I was like, I love Joe. Mo- I love uh, Joe Brady. And there was yeah. another day where I was like, but Joe Moorhead like has Boyhead. a proven yeah. track record, yeah. man, and yeah, and experience, I mean, right? Exactly.
3: Yeah, multiple he's got- conferences. Yes. Recognizes different types of plays, which yep. goes into Notre Dame's schedule because you're going to play, you know, a national schedule. You're going to play Pac-12 defenses. You're going to play Big Ten defenses. ACC defenses and he has experience with all of those different areas and then if you face an SEC defense he's comfortable with that as well so the experience he gives you is very and the connections now because you're talking about a guy as a recruiter who is nationally connected and knows a lot of coaches in different regions around the country that's beneficial as well so he probably comes in and second on my list man i I saw somebody mention it in the chat. I never felt like, even though he is not a pro style guy per se, yeah. I never felt like he went away from the run. Like I never got that feeling like he didn't want to run the ball.
1: Not at all. That's, not at all. No, that's not well, the and, feeling I get. And let's bring that up, Sean. I was going to save it for the mailbag, but it's it's a it's a perfect conversation piece about Morehead. So Berkshire Yank said, Ryan does. Moorhead's scheme fit. So, if you've seen Joe Moorhead during his time at Penn State, Mississippi State, Oregon, whatever, yeah. they're very RPO. It's very RPO heavy to start out with, right? And but there's a wide look. He wants to get the ball in space, right? Like mm-hmm. we talked about. Like KJ Hamler was a guy that he recruited. You talk about, you know, Saquon Barkley, obviously Miles Sanders. Like he's a heavy inside zone RPO heavy scheme. That is a very. It is a very College spread offense it is does it fit I think it can fit yeah because I think that look you're not going to ask you're not going to ask Sam Hartman to be Trace McSorley athletically right because Trace is like a four five something four six athlete like he could run so a lot of the RPOs off of him would also have the quarterback read option for like you can pull and run you can still run that same offense or something similar similar concepts to it But instead of a read where you have the ability to run or pass, just throw the football out there, man. And that's that's the read off of the inside zone play, right? So I think you can, Sean. And I think that a lot of those principles are already in Notre Dame's offense, which is kind of maddening. Like, I think that – yeah, so I think it can fit. I do.
3: There's something else, Brian, that we have to look at. Because Marcus Freeman is not just interviewing these coordinators for 2023. Right, so what you're pointing out, it might not be a perfect fit for Sam Hartman, but look at the next three. Look at Tyler Buckner. Look at Kenny Minchy, Look at C.J. Carr. Oh, Moorhead, definitely. Joe is perfect for those three quarterbacks that are coming up in this system. So it's the bigger picture, right? And Marcus Freeman has to look at that. He just can't look at 2023 and say, man, everything has to fit around Sam Hartman. You know, that coordinator can, can say, look. We can win with Sam Hartman this year. We don't necessarily have to do all of this. But if this is where we're going offensively, we already have the quarterbacks in place that fit that a little bit more. So, you know, for me, that's something that's going to be a heavily, sit heavily upon Marcus Freeman to try to figure out within these interviews, like, okay, what is your view now? But 2023, we know we have Sam Hartman. And then how do you see this offense progressing with the quarterbacks we have coming? So it's it's, it's very interesting because Marcus Freeman, he's smart. He understands. He understands that this hire is very much or should very much be connected to not only Tyler Buckner, but Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carr. He knows C.J. Carr is paying attention to who this hire is. And making sure it fits what he wants to do, so it's not just about 2023, but it goes
1: beyond that as well. Right. Well, and Sean, you know who would be the perfect Joe Moorhead quarterback? Perfect. It'd be Tyler Buckner. <laughs> that would be the perfect man. Joe if you Moorhead get if you put a confident Tyler Buckner who yes. has fully matured, yes. In Joe Moorhead's offense, he's he's like a. He's like a he's like a um a a juiced up version of Trace McSorley, McSorley, right? Like it's like that's that's like the ultra version of it. It would be a perfect fit for that offense. But I do think that Joe, especially Joe Moorhead, is such a he's such an experienced coach as well. I wouldn't be super worried about like will he make that fit, right? Like I think he's I mean because he's had different types of quarterbacks too right like it's not like he's just had trace mcsorley he recruited a guy like will levis he had you know uh, anthony brown as quarterback at oregon like he's had different types of quarterbacks nick fitzgerald even's a little bit different than those guys so i think he could definitely i think he could definitely fit that type of style so great question though berkshire yank
3: man he actually made anthony brown look okay Andy yes. Brown is on an NFL
1: roster because of yes. Joe Moorhead.
3: Never forget yes. that. Never Absolutely.
1: forget that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's so funny. Last guy, Sean, that we want to hit on before we get into the interview with Carson Hobbs against 2024 quarter cornerback commit to University of Notre Dame. A person that Notre Dame fans are very familiar with. That was Mike Denbrock, who is currently the LSU offensive coordinator, I'm not sold that this one is incredibly likely, right? Like I think that a conversation obviously has been had or will be had. If not, yeah. at least, you know, just kind of a, a quick phone call to see if there's gauging interest. But Mike Denbrock was at Notre Dame for six years, you know, from 2011 to 2016. He was, he was there, Sean, and yeah. he was also at Cincinnati, obviously, after that up until the 2022 season. I'm sorry, into the 2021 season. And then he was with LSU, obviously this past year in the first year with Brian Kelly's tenure. So let's take a look, though, Sean. There's a lot of lot of recruits to get through here. I'm actually going to start with LSU this past year, work my way backward because I want to end with the Notre Dame guys because I think it's going to be kind of a blast from the past for a lot of people in the chat to be like, I remember that guy, I remember that guy. So I would I would hit it that way, right? So Mike Denbrock, number six overall class in 2023 with LSU, which, again, that's consensus rankings. What That class included Shelton Sampson, star receiver, Jalen Brown, star receiver out of Miami. Offensive tackle, Zelance Hurd, and quarterback Ricky Collins were some of the mainstays on the offensive side of the football. Very good class that LSU was obviously able to put together in year one. Cincinnati, again, this is where the conversation gets a little jumbled, Sean, because Cincinnati is not going to be able to recruit as well as an LSU or Notre Dame, right? I mean, we, we know that. We don't have to explain why either. Cincinnati, though, just for argument's sake, 2018 class was number 49 nationally, number 66 in 2019, number 41 in 2020, and the number 45 class in 2021, the year that he, oh, sorry, the number 42 in 2022, the year he left. Key offensive recruits during his time at Cincinnati that he were able to close on. Running back Tavion Thomas, who you all should know when we talked about Andy Ludwig, was been the running back for Utah over the last couple of years. He was originally a Cincinnati Bearcat. Tavion Thomas, Leonard Taylor at tight end. Josh Wiley, who was in the 2023 NFL draft, is down to senior bowl at tight end. Alec Pierce, who Notre Dame fans remember unfortunately for his performance as a senior against Notre Dame, who was a second round pick by Indianapolis Colts, Trey Tucker, who's in the 2023 class wide receiver quarterback, Evan Prater, who has just been a backup for Cincinnati so far, but was the highest quarterback recruit that Cincinnati has ever landed. Historically, Tyler Scott, wide receiver, who's in the 2023 NFL draft as well. And then all conference, offensive lineman, Jake Renfro was another guy on that list. again, not a great comparison because Cincinnati is not going to be able to recruit with the LSU's Notre Dame's of the world. No. Now Notre Dame fans, let's talk about what he was able to help with from a recruiting perspective during his time with during the Brian Kelly era. Mike Denbrock, number nine class in 2011, number 17 in 2022, number five in 2023, number 11 in 2020. Uh, sorry, 2023 in 2013, number 11 in 2014, number 13 in 2015 number 15 in 2016, number 10 class in 2017. That was during this stretch. Mike Dan Brock was a part of the Notre Dame staff. Key offensive recruits, Sean, you ready for this? I put it positionally. Some of the key recruits that they were able to land during that time, quarterback, Ever Golston, hmm. quarterback, Gunnar Kyle, Keel, excuse me, quarterback, Malik Zaire, who Sean Davis obviously knows very well, quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, <laughs> running back, Josh Adams, running back, Greg Bryant, Running back, Terrian Folston. Running back, Dexter Williams. Wide receiver, Will Fuller. Wide receiver, Equinemius St. Brown. Wide receiver, Chase Claypool. Tight end, Cole Komet, second-round pick a couple years ago by the Chicago Bears. Tight end, Ben Koyak. Tight end, Troy Nicholas, second-round pick a few years ago of the Arizona Cardinals. Tight end, Alizé Mack, Alizé Jones, however you want to refer to him. Offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley, first round pick. Now starting offensive tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey, we're starting right tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. Offensive tackle Liam Eichenberg. Offensive lineman Quentin Nelson. Offensive lineman Nick Martin. Offensive lineman Tommy Kramer. Offensive lineman Aaron Banks. A lot more than that, Sean. Uh, there were some guys left off the list, like Chris Brown, for instance, who was a really good wide receiver for Notre Dame, was a part of that stretch as well breezy yeah someone said Brock right yes guys I could have spent this entire. I could have spent 20 minutes listed all the offensive players for Notre Dame because we all know their names right but obviously Sean he's got a long track record a lot mm-hmm. of good recruiting classes under Mike Denbrock I'm a fan of him how he calls a football game just in general I think he's a really smart offensive coordinator there is not an offensive there's not a there is not a candidate on the board that Notre Dame fans have a better understanding of than Mike Denbrock because he's literally been here and been in this position before. So your initial thoughts about Mike Denbrock just being in the conversation here, Sean.
3: Solid. I
1: think it's solid Solid. too.
3: Solid hire. Yeah, absolutely solid hire. Do I get the same vibes that I get if it was Moorhead or Ludwig? No. No. But it wouldn't be a hire that I would be like, uh, solid. He's solid. everything I hear from his former players is that he's great, great offensive mind, you know he can recruit you know when he wants to <laughs> that's that was something that was told to me, and he's definitely not going to coach the quarterback like that's that's something he does not want to do so now, who do you bring in to supplement that? You know, is it going to be one GAs or, you know, you have to figure it out. But he is who he is. I don't think he's going to change too much. And his offense is – you can question whether or not his offense is as adaptable at this point as you might want to come in, especially when you're talking about Moorhead and Ludwig, Right. But Notre Dame fans would not – they're familiar. So I don't think Notre Dame fans would be upset with the hire. But I don't think – I think most fans would probably prefer some other names. But he has to be well-liked because yes. a lot in a lot of circles, he's very
1: well-respected. I was gonna say, Sean. I've I've never personally heard anything negative about no. Mike Denbrock. Just no. haven't heard it, right? Like we've heard a lot of negative stuff about some other former Notre Dame coaches. I've never right. heard a I've never heard a single bad thing about not Mike Denbrock. And he's done no. a good job. I mean, did a good job at Notre Dame. Did a good job at really good job at Cincinnati. Did mm-hmm. a good job in his first year at LSU. I mean, he's just a good coach, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if the upside is as high as a couple of the other guys on the list, but I think the floor is right there with just about anybody, right? Like, he's a known yeah. commodity. You know he's going to call a good game. Like, that's just yeah. that's just where it is for me. I, I don't know if there is a – like, we talk about, like, Joe Bra- – if if Notre Dame got Joe Brady, for instance, right? Or even Joe Moorhead, someone like that, Notre Dame fans would be juiced, right? Like, they would all be just <laughs> – they would be all be in heaven, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if they would have the same reaction to Mike Denbrock. Like, you're not disappointed, no. right? Because no. he's a good coach. He's a good coach. Yeah. But does he? Is he? A, I don't want to say a, he is a needle mover, in my opinion. But does he like ignites excitement? That's my only question with Mike Denbrock. That's my only question. So I think we
3: all agree that all of the names we mentioned today, we yeah. were we would perceive as an upgrade. I, don't, I know I would perceive them to be an upgrade.
1: We have we have a question about that in the in the uh, in the mailbag portion, Sean. So don't let okay. that cat out too quick. We'll talk okay. about that. Trust me. But those are a few of the premier names. Jason Candle's another guy that I like a lot, but we didn't bring him up in this show just because he's he's been recruiting at Toledo, right? So yeah. it's it's just a different animal. But I, I do plan. like Jason Candle. I expect him to get a look, you know, at least a conversation piece. I do. Talked about Chip Long maybe being in the conversation. Like, There's a couple other guys, obviously, to keep an eye on. Yeah. But that's pretty much the the precipice, the, the main list that we're kind of working off. Could guys be added to the list? Sure. Could names be dropped off? Sure. There's no question. Things could change. But we expect this one to move pretty quickly. So that's the list that we have for the potential new offensive coordinators for Notre Dame and how it could potentially affect recruiting at Notre Dame because obviously that's going to be a part of the conversation. Next, we're going to get in, Sean. We have a special interview with Carson Hobbs, 2024 cornerback commits out of Archbishop Mulder. Before we hit that interview, if you could just hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, hit that little notification bell at the, at the bottom so you know when, when an upcoming show is coming your way. Five-star reviews are always very much appreciated on any of your podcast platform. Sign up at BorisIrishBreakdown.com. I've already put up a couple intel pieces about a couple recruits that will be on campus here Pretty soon, in the m- month of March and April, so make sure to sign up there. Also, Sean, I got a new hat, man. Got a new hat from, the, uh, from Irish Breakdown, right? So go, go check. I also got a new hoodie, little clap clothes for hoodie. So you all should go check out the merch store as well. Got a lot of cool things. But thank you all for the support. And check you out on the next edition of the Recruiting Hour. <laughs>